Four teens are terrorized by a chainsaw-wielding maniac and his family on prom night. All right, all right, all right. That's a scary movie. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Just had to get that out of my system up Uh top. I love that he says it in this movie. In this film itself. Uh, Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm Ashley. And welcome back to Oh, That's a Scary Movie. Uh Uh, Thanksgiving edition. I'm really bad at like air horn noises or yeah. whatever. Or it was like, wah, wah, wah. it's like a turkey doing it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's our brand. That's what that is. Anyway, guys, um, welcome back. This is our second foray into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. Uh-huh. Um, you may recall one of our very first episodes uh, was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the OG yeah, um, some weird technical things weird transpired. Stuff if you go back, it, list, it sounds like you're recording from the bottom of a hole. In, in a hole, we are in a hole. <laughs> yeah. And if you're one of the thirteen that had the original recording, I am so, We're so sorry. sorry. Oh yeah, because originally <laughs> it just went out with us like talking shit about ourselves. I accidentally put out the raw episode and yeah. not the edited one, and it, and it started with me going in a world, in a world. That's like right. all of my weird like warm up stuff. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, but none of that today. Now, no, not at all. Fifty some episodes later, we are polished. We have got our shit together. Sure, we do. Sure, we do. Um, so this week, uh, we watched the Texas Chainsaw. Or no, no, the no definitive article no. on this one. No definite article. Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation, which is like the most nineties. Yeah title yes ever in existence you can't use that title in a post star trek the next generation world no they might as well have put like extreme yeah. like on the poster this i mean i mean i get i think this also this had to have preceded degrassi the next generation <laughs> so it was just it was a time were it was you a, a time degrassi for new person? generations huh were you a degrassi person here and there i was never yeah i, I never watched a single episode that's fine i'm what yeah I, I mean here and there i it's so funny that <laughs> We've talked about my blind spots of like kids television. Right. And somehow I was watching Degrassi and not Saved by the Bell or Boy Meets World. I Yeah, I didn't watch it either. So. But I was also like super into Kevin Smith in high school. And gotcha. he directed like a bunch of episodes mm-hmm. and he like referenced the show in his movies. And I was like, I want to see what that's all about. <laughs> and so then I was just watching this teen drama from canada yeah yeah Yeah. so not that canada's strange but wow no but yeah what was i doing why was i watching that Um, anyways regardless the uh, texas chainsaw massacre the next generation also released as return of the texas chainsaw massacre which makes even less sense uh written and directed by kim hinkle the co-creator and co-writer of the original film insane truly right insane it seems like this feels like (laughs) someone who has heard of the first one doing a retread or has seen it before right like i i gotta be honest up top (laughs) i don't know how i feel about this movie yeah like i don't yeah i don't know the first time i saw it it was so we'll just get right in because this movie this is this movie is like well known as 
the one that stars Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. That's what I knew it it's as. It's just yeah. such a strange uh, thing that this exists. Uh-huh. Um, it was released in 1994 and it, or sorry, shot in like late 1994, early 95, mm-hmm. released like three separate times. I will, I will get into the production and release history right. of this movie because it's bonkers. But <laughs> basically, yeah, the first time I saw this movie, mm-hmm. Uh, it had this reputation already. Like sure. everyone was like, that's the worst one. And I and I saw it when there were four movies plus a remake. So like half of the movies that are out now. Right. And and I remember thinking, yeah, no, this is terrible. I can't stand this. Rewatched it in college and had a grand old time. It's entertaining. Yeah. For sure. And this rewatch, I landed squarely in the middle. Right. Because I'd been kind of hyping this one up to you as like, oh, it's more fun than you think it's going to be. It's really silly. But all the stuff that I was thinking about is stuff that happens in the first half of the movie and like the last five minutes. I would say, yeah, I would say um, the first half is really, really good. And and, well, I'll take away one of those (laughs) reallys. Um, but like, yeah, it's pretty good and, and it's a entertaining. Certain, a it's certain fun. level of good, a certain value yes. of good. Yes. Yeah. Like I will watch it. It's, it's entertaining. You were enjoying this more than the first one. Yeah. For the first half. Of this, I was. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it goes on way too long. Yes. Um, and it just gets really weird. Yeah. Like, and, and not in ways that are satisfyingly entertaining. No, yeah. it just gets so strange. It takes some big swings that it's then not prepared to back up with right. anything. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, that was kind of my, my takeaway this time was when it's fun, it, there are scenes in this movie that make me laugh hysterically. Oh, sure. I just recently covered Texas Chainsaw 2 mm-hmm. on Silver Linings Playlist. And when I was talking with uh, my co-host Dustin about that movie, I, I said, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the franchise that shouldn't be one. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. For one thing, this the story was never meant to have another chapter. No, it's why a very, would it? Like, yeah. It's a one and done like experience, sort of, more than a movie. Right. And when you try to add mythology to that, I think it gets really muddy. I mean, once you see a backwoods cannibal family, right. you've kind of seen them all. Right. You know? and, and, so, and so as a consequence, most of the sequels, prequels, remakes, all this stuff... Mm-hmm to varying degrees of success are just trying to copy what worked in the first one. And none of them, none of them have that same vibe. Like none of them feel like, Oh, I shouldn't be watching this. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, it's, I don't know. It was, it's a really weird, it's a, it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie where I feel like Leatherface isn't the villain. Right. There's that. (laughs) There's also the fact that um, it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie where no one's killed with a chainsaw through the whole there, time. There's that as well. And yeah. there are no cannibals. Right. They eat pizza. They're eating pizza and just hanging out Not on people farm. pizza. No. Just just like dominoes. Pep- pepperonis. Little Nero's from Little, Home Alone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like... Keep the train. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's... Yeah. It is a singularly bizarre movie. And when you add in the fact that... It's from the right, the co-writer of the original film. 
it, it gets even stranger. I can't even. I can't even. Like, what the... What... what so I want many... to know what the fuck is up with the robot leg. Like, where did right. that come from? Where did it go? Where did what? it come from, Cotton-Eyed Joe? I need to know. But also, like, so many beats of this movie are beat for beat the original. Like, it's sure. almost a remake in some spots. Right. But not yes. quite. And uh, all of that adds up to a movie that's just very confusing, but also entertaining in a weird way crazy entertaining yeah i mean so this movie the the this movie was produced by a guy named robert coon who mm-hmm. uh or co-produced by him and he basically was like i was a huge fan of the original movie and i wanted to go back to what made the original work because mm-hmm. the second movie's more of like a wacky comedy in a lot of ways sure and then the third one kind of tries to go back to basics and has a little bit more of like a grungy uh, backwoods feel but there's like the ratings board chopped it to pieces so mm-hmm. like it kind of just doesn't entertain it's it doesn't work for a lot of people i have a soft spot for it because it was the first one i saw <laughs> also it has vigo mortensen as the villain so oh wow yeah okay like again another leading man of today starting yeah. in the texas chainsaw movie um and so they basically decided, well, no studio is going to let us make the movie we want to make. So we need to raise the money ourselves. Mm-hmm. They went to all these different investors. And finally, from what I can tell, the movie cost about $600,000. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Holy like that. crap. That's, that was what was the, that was the, um, that's the reported uh, initial budget, you know, before marketing <laughs> and all that stuff. And when you read interviews with Renee Zellweger, she talks about how this movie felt illegal i did read some of that today yeah <laughs> she's like we my costume trailer was a room in the producers <laughs> winnebago that's insane <laughs> but like i mean that's very I, I feel like that's in line with the original as well totally yeah. yeah where they're just sitting in a house with no ac yeah. surrounded by rotten meat for days right yeah and in this movie she i think is for sure climbing on that roof that is renee zellweger is she from texas I don't know because I know Matthew McConaughey is, and so I'm wondering because yeah. I know a lot. A lot of the other actors she, were just local Texas actors, so I was just wondering if she was born and raised in Texas. Although, that, yeah, that makes total sense because this was shot. Uh, she went to the University of Austin. Or it was Texas shot at Austin. around Bastrop, around Austin. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Bastrop, which is like really? a middle. I'm so sorry if you're from Bastrop. It is like middle of nowhere. It was Bastrop and then like what was it called? Flugel something. I, I was I was reading like location scouting stuff on this, but yeah, it's um, like it's it's a little like middle of nowhere town right outside of Austin. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean like <laughs> that. That's authenticity right, right there. You yeah. know, like it, it, I feel like now. I mean, the one that they shot that came out on Netflix earlier this year mm-hmm. was shot in like Romania or something. Like right. they, they like. They like uh, sussed up or like they sort of mussed up a town in Romania and made it look like Texas. It's just so crazy to me that like, you know, Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey, both local Texans, Uh do this like little horror film locally. And here we are. And And so so the minister of Well, they both have the same. They have the same rep. Like they were both represented by the same talent agency. And then. Uh, the rest of the cast is like local actors. Right. It was like yeah. one of the guy who plays Barry is apparently just like was like part of the theater scene in Texas. Insane. And and I just I kind of love. The, I do too. I'm always a sucker for the let's make a movie. Let's gang. make a movie. Right. Um, <laughs> let's put on a show. <laughs> so they they shot this movie uh, called The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
had a premiere at South by Southwest in 1995. Oh, wow. And apparently the audience ate that shit up. It was such a (laughs) huge response from the audience that Columbia Pictures agreed to distribute the movie. Flash forward a few months and they have cut, they've trimmed the movie down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, they, I think they cut like 12 minutes out of the movie or something like that and then release 12 it. 12 minutes of what? Right. I'm sorry. And then release it. Well, I'm assuming one of the scenes is uh, Heather escaping from the right. hook. How she ended up in the hall or no, in the road. <laughs> in the road. <laughs> um, but like they end up releasing it in 27 theaters oh. total. Wow. And it where it makes let me see, I have to find I had this written down here. Um so on its initial release, released in twenty seven theaters, and it made under forty five thousand dollars. Yeah, I can't imagine it made and so anything. like they were like, well, where was this big marketing push that you said we were gonna get? Um, so the next year or like later that year, the movie gets a limited home release in Japan <laughs> on Laserdisc only in the 90s. Wow. And, Laserdisc. And then in 1997, just after Jerry Maguire, just after A Time to Kill, oh, sure. both of these actors are, are blowing up. Columbia's like, we're going to give this another shot. They literally just like kept it in a vault for two years and so then crazy. cut another like seven or eight minutes out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's gone from like 102 minutes long to 87 minutes. <laughs> and they title it The Next Generation mm-hmm. and put it out. And, and they're, they're making plans to put this out again. And according to Robert Kuhn, he says that uh, Columbia was being pressured by Matthew McConaughey's uh, agent mm-hmm. to not release the film theatrically. Like they were like, oh. you are like you're fully exploiting his image. Like sure. this movie, this is a movie that was released and rightfully forgotten two years ago. Like <laughs> what are you doing? And basically, they were like, well, yeah, we can't piss off this agency because who's gonna star in our movies? Right. Otherwise, yeah, you we know? don't want to burn that bridge. And so, uh, Kuhn and uh, Hinkle, Kim Hinkle, they try to get the, the rights to the movie back. Mm-hmm. They're like, if you're not going to release it the way you promised, we all signed the same contract. Just give us our movie back. We'll find someone else to put it out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we won't. <laughs> so they gave it another limited release uh, on 23 screens. Oh, wow. In late 1997. So three years after the movie has been shot. Uh-huh. And, where it earned another $53,000. <laughs> Uh, over its lifetime in various like re-releases and stuff, mm-hmm. um, theatrically it's earned less than two hundred thousand dollars total. Wow. So not even a third of its tiny budget. Right, that's so, so crazy. It's like any other movie, any other horror movie that does that poorly, it just mm-hmm. vanishes. But this one stars two of the biggest stars of the nineties and early two thousands. Not just like big stars, but like. Stars that you would not put in this movie, like <laughs> no, the the fact that like yeah, you you kept saying like I can't believe we're watching a slasher movie with Matthew McConaughey in a villainous role. He's so good. He's great He's in this so movie. He's so good. Great. I think Renee Zellweger's great in this movie. <sighs> she has nothing to do in she, this movie. She doesn't do. She doesn't do. Well, I I would argue she doesn't do anything. She's I. She doesn't do anything until like the very end. Yes. And, yeah. and that is, so we'll, I'll get into this. Uh, I, I guess this is the best place to get into it. Well, hmm. no, I'll save this for the end because 
I read an interview with mm. the writer director uh-huh. who it just sort of illuminates so many things for me of gotcha. why this movie doesn't like hold together. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, and so as a kid, I, all I knew of this movie was that's the one that has Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. I knew it had a sort of, um, Dr. Frankenfurter esque <laughs> leather face in it, yeah. you know, like it's, and that was one of the things that Kim Hinkle talked about where he was like, I had this idea when we originally wrote, Texas Chainsaw that Leatherface would take on different personalities depending on which face he was wearing. I mean, I I, you, I like that and I get that, but like the I, performance doesn't give us that at no, all. No, the performance is so strange. Yeah, and and this this role was offered to the Leatherface in this movie was first offered to um, Gunnar Hansen who played him in the original film, right? And said no, like I can't, like no, you can't. thank you. They're, well, they were barely gonna. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was like the 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 money they offered me was like insulting. Sure. So he turned yeah, it down. Then they offered it to, I think his name is Bill Johnson, who played him in part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently no love for the guy who plays him in part three. <laughs> and they go with um, this guy, Robert Jacks, who, I mean, it's the screechiest leather face. It's, it, I, I, it, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really care for this leather face. No. And Leatherface is never the most interesting part of any of these movies to me. No. And I said, you know, I I said earlier, like, this is a movie where Leatherface isn't the villain. And I feel like there's an argument that Leatherface isn't really ever the villain. Right. He's Um, always kind of being puppeteered by someone else. Right. But I feel like in the very first one, he had at least some agency. And here, this Leatherface seems to not know what's going on ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, to the point where, like, one of his victims gets away off screen. Right. Um, Yeah. Like, there... I, I, I mean, sure, it's scary for Mm -hmm. a big man to come at you with a chainsaw. But other than that, he's not really that scary. No. No. (sighs) I mean, there are... Yeah, there are a couple of scary... And I would argue that there's not much in this movie that's scary to me. Whereas like no. the original Texas Chainsaw makes me feel nauseated and like uncomfortable and ill at ease by the end of it. I think that movie works better for me than it did for you. Right. Um, this no, I movie mean, I, is I just more it. like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm not laughing, I'm ready for the scene to end. Right. There were multiple times during this movie that you said, well, this is just padding. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm amazed when you said they cut like, stuff from them like, sure. what did they cut because it just felt it did like uh, once once you get to a certain spot in the movie yeah. it, it feels like they're just padding for time so texas chainsaw part two is my favorite of the series mm-hmm. and even then that movie is 88 minutes with credits and it feels like you could still cut 15 minutes out of it like all of these movies feel like they should be 70 minutes tops well, yeah you gotta think about it it all happens i've got to you're right you've got to you just have to <laughs> uh-huh, think about sure. how it all happens in one night uh, I mean, how does one guy go all around the world in one night? No, um, but no, <laughs> Stay it's... tuned. Next <laughs> but no, it, it all happens in, in one night yeah. over a couple of hours. And it, it and should Halloween, seem... Halloween, this is not. No, it should seem frantic. It right. should seem quick. I don't know. I, I feel like it. there isn't a whole lot of fluff that you need. Well, and it's funny because this movie has the audacity to start with a a title crawl like all of these do sure this one making fun of the other ones shitting on the sequels (laughs) telling us that uh, about the first movie and sally hardesty and franklin and all of them and then 
two minor yet apparently related incidents occurred in the meantime. So snarky. It's so sassy. It's really funny. Sure. But it's also, this This narrator's also no John Larroquette. So it's like. No. <laughs> it's, no. There's just, but smash cut to uh, Jenny, Renee Zelliger, mm-hmm. putting on the most lipstick I've ever A seen A bajillion in my life. layers of lipstick. Um, And she is heading to prom. It's prom. Um, and we with... get the sound, the camera sounds. Yes. So yeah, her Jenny's, I guess Jenny's mom is taking, Jenny's mom's got it going on. Uh, <laughs> Jenny, <laughs> Jenny's mom is taking pictures of Jenny and Sean as they're getting ready to go to prom. Right. And she's got this little handheld disposable camera. Or like this Chicken. Like it's got the bulb sound <laughs> from part one. And each of these movies throws that in, whether it makes sense. It doesn't or not. make any sense for that camera to make that noise. The newest, the new Netflix one, they put that sound effect over someone opening a trunk of a car. <laughs> and I, I paused the movie and had to, I like had to go to, I was just like, I'm going to get a snack. I can't. I need a break. I, and I think that's like 15 minutes. In, I was so annoyed. <laughs> I was so, that movie. That's funny. Um, It's a rough sit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, right away we're getting the kind of the vibe of this movie. A lot of quick cuts. Right. A lot of, a lot of grunge music. Uh-huh. They get to prom where there's a junk, drunk chaperone. All of these teachers suck. Yeah. These They're are, all terrible. One of them goes, he's, what does he say? He like points at their outfits. He's like, look, that's so exciting. It's like a vest thing. I fucking hate kids. I hate kids. Yeah. So funny. And then like. The other teacher, like, Heather is asking where her boyfriend's at. And the other teacher's like, um, didn't you break up? Like, yeah, <laughs> being all weird. Uh, Barry apparently immediately after getting to prom cheats on his date. Barry apparently can't, like, go throughout his day without cheating on his girlfriend. No. Or, like, uh, taking advantage of a woman. Right. Barry is the fucking worst. He's the worst. And he's given all of the, like kevin smith-esque dialogue right like right. it's a lot of it's a lot of like f-bombs it's a lot of like sex jokes right this is uh tyler cone as barry and lisa marie newmeyer as heather <laughs> heather Ra- is heather is wild yeah <laughs> heather is hilarious um this actress i i knew i recognized her she's in um She's in Scanner Darkly. She's mm-hmm. in Sin City. Like she pops up. She's popped up a bunch since then in like smaller roles. But uh, she's really funny in this. Yeah. Um, no, she has some great little one-liners. But like her and Barry are fighting. Barry's like, why are you so possessive? Barry's also just like, you must not care about me. Because like if I don't come, I'm going to get prostate, right. can- prostrate cancer. Prostrate cancer. He's, He's like, guys need to have sex, Heather. And then... Jenny and Sean pop up from the back seat of the car that they're in, and I thought they were hooking up, but apparently no, they were smoking, smoking weed. Pot. Yeah, and apparently, like, they're not boyfriend and girlfriend. They're, they're not. They're just BFFs. They're just hanging. Yeah. So there is a subplot that was cut from this movie. Okay. Um, part of like the, I guess, fifteen minutes that were cut out of this movie. Are they brother and sister? Oh my god! Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, no, the movie would have opened with. Um, the reveal that Jenny was being 
regularly abused by her stepfather. Oh. Which is why she's like, and they, they kind of allude to that when yeah. Heather has that monologue where she's like, every single, her mom keeps getting married every 15 minutes. Right, yeah. And their husbands won't stop checking her out. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a really, like, kind of a sad thing that we get from a different character about our main character. Right. And the according to Kim Hinkle, like, he really wanted to inject this movie with a sense of female empowerment. I don't get that from a single frame of I, this film. No. I mean... Not at all. One of... <laughs> One one of our lead characters is lit on fire, hung from a hook, and then has her head smashed while her friend's head is pushed into Matthew McConaughey's crotch. Right. Um, yeah. I, one of our other characters likes to flash her fake boobs to teenage boys. Right. And so I'm like, just like, <laughs> and, and well, and his 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 rationale for that was I wanted us to see well. He says he's got a lot of big messages for this movie. I'm sure he and does. Each one is like the thing. But one sure. of the things he mentions is he's like, there was like this distrust of authority that kind of runs throughout the movie. And I was like, mm-hmm. you get some of that. But he's like, I wanted Jenny to like, when she blows up at the end of the movie and tells everyone, sit the fuck down, shut up, stop touching me. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be like a breakthrough moment for her. And I'm just like, in 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 this movie, right? Like, right. not that that's not a... A, I love a character with an arc. Of course. And the problem is that our main character doesn't really have one in the theatrical cut of this movie. Right. And, but, oh, sorry. But in a movie where later we have a character comically beaten in the head with a stick and like <laughs> we've got jokes about exploding heads and, and all this in a, in a remote controlled leg. Right. You're going to you throw in it. A, you're going to throw in a subplot about domestic abuse. Like, sure. And then at the beginning, you've got her, Jenny's kind of standing up to, to Barry. Yeah. She's like, Heather, you don't have to believe him. You're not the right. problem. And so I, I feel like, and that's I like sort those of, lines. No, but, I think, yeah. she, I mean, she's correct. Yeah. Everything she's saying is true. Sure. But that sort of diminishes that. I think that takes away from that moment of like, oh, well, now she's going to stand up for yeah. herself. Well, she didn't. She kind of did that already. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just kind of odd. And then it's all it's also like it's kind of interspersed with <laughs> Heather. Heather has some buck wild dialogue where she just keeps talking about how they she's are all like, going to die. Yeah, she's like, what if we like, wouldn't it be cool if we crashed and had an accident? And we all died and they could write a song about it. Yes. Like what? Girl. And they drive into the woods. Barry is like, we're lost. And she goes, we're not lost if we just turn around. Because they've just been driving in one straight <laughs> in line. In one direction, yeah. And Barry says, there's nowhere to turn around. There's never anywhere to turn around. <laughs> there's never anywhere place to turn around. It's like, Barry, what happened to you? And then a car comes out of nowhere absolutely nowhere camera sound again very strangely yeah. for the headlights hits them on the side right doesn't really do a whole lot i mean it doesn't i mean heather gets a little cut on her forehead and the mm-hmm. other driver is knocked out and so jenny jenny immediately kind of takes charge she's like look someone needs to stay with him but i need to find a phone do we find do we ever find out who that guy is no no, both that guy and Sean disappear from this movie. Right. I mean, we, we like, yes, this is just like an inciting incident. Two characters die as just to get things going. Just, just to get the ball rolling. Um. So Heather, Jenny, and Barry 
make their way through the most well-lit woods I have I ever kept saying, seen. Where is the light coming from? I mean, it is so bright. And they're like smacking at a flashlight. Like, I can't see shit out here. Like the and I'm edges like, I can see of their, your pores. Yes. Like the edges of their hair was yeah. so like illuminated. You it, could see it, every flyaway. It's like, well, it's like those early X-Files seasons where right. Scully's like, where's that light coming from, Mulder? <laughs> um, but it also, you, we mentioned recently we watched the first episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And it was very right. similar. These yeah. two kids trying to get through the woods. And I'm just like, well, just walk to the where the, all those street lights are. Where's all the light from. coming from? Just go towards that. Yeah. <laughs> like the moon is fucking full because yeah. you can see everything. Well, I mean, you know, the moon used to be way brighter. Oh, yeah. Back in the 90s. Back in the sure. 90s, it was a real bright moon. <laughs> bright moon in the 90s. Um, <laughs> That's what I remember from my childhood. The bright moon. <laughs> and Heather, Heather says she had a dream about a killer in the woods. And, and she's like, no, they're, we're, we're dead. We're gonna, they're going to show we're all pictures of die. us naked with our hearts torn out in the current affairs. <laughs> and then they're like, well, no, we got to keep going. We got to find a, a phone. And she says, no, we need to stay here and we need to start a fire. <laughs> yes. She's like, we need to start a fire. She has some of my favorite lines in the movie. <laughs> but then she, she's like, someone's following us. She keeps saying it and we never see anybody following no. them. But... They, Do you think someone was actually following them? I like that idea. I like that. I like that Heather. I like the idea that the so-called airhead character is the one character oh. who knows what's up. I like the idea that no one was following them okay. and nothing actually happens until they find Darla, Darla and Darla they, calls and is like, hey, I like that. That That's what that's my head canon. So they get to this real estate <laughs> office uh in the middle of nowhere in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night in the middle of the night uh seemingly there is a like it they never show it fully but it looks like she's across the street from like the butcher shop from the first movie is what it right. kind of looks like yeah because she's she mentions like something about that old kook like right. i see you yeah uh, which apparently jim sidow was asked to come back and play mm. the cook in this movie and turned it down or sure. like there was some some reason why he couldn't um, but we are introduced to Tony Perinsky as Darla <laughs> in this purple biz- like power suit. Oh, yeah. And for me, MVP of the movie. I her I her character makes me so uncomfortable. Yes, but her performance is Oh sure. Fantastic. Performance is great. Um, yeah. This character makes me so uncomfortable and I just have all the questions. Sure. Like why what's your deal how did you get here uh are you empowered you're insane <laughs> she i mean she's very calm what like well and and this is this is the big problem with this movie is mm-hmm. so many scenes are just static like there's just right. it's to the camera is placed in one spot we watch every it feels like a play we watch everyone file yes. into the room everyone takes their seats they reestablish they need an ambulance mm-hmm. and there's so much space between every line of dialogue right and she's like I, i'm gonna call the record don't worry yeah. about the record boy she picks up the phone she she uh re- she she reacts to jenny staring at her chest although it's not shot in a way where that's obvious that's what's happening. Right. Like, Nor is we she needed... wearing like a low cut or tight no, outfit. No, she just is on the phone, then leans over to Jenny and says, phony is a $3 bill, but they changed my life. And then and something... I Okay, and I yes. initially thought she, she was, was talking, talking about, about Vilmer. Vilmer. Yes, I did too. Yes. But then immediately, <laughs> immediately the topic turns to 
her tits. Right. Like she is a rock flies through the window. Yeah, someone throws something through the window. And then drives by like 30 seconds later and she flashes out the window. But she says something about it's this old lady. She won't leave me alone. And then it's like <laughs> these dudes driving by and she says something about high school boys. Yeah. And like she like they can't get enough. Like like it's she's so always gotta to flash them. Yeah. She's it's like it's really some strange. farmer's wife. And she yeah, she flashes the road. Um it's such a bizarre scene that then just abruptly ends, ends when Vilmer's truck pulls up. Right. And which, we are introduced to our guy. We are, I know my notice there he is. I so he has a he has a truck that says Illuminati wrecking. Yes. And this is when you said What's going on with the leg? What's yeah? Because he he has a robot leg. Yeah, it's got wires and tubes coming out of his leg, and it's when he walks, never explained. No, and when he walks, it sometimes makes like a right, like he's a transformer. It has rem- it's remote controlled. So the third movie, Leatherface has like a metal leg brace. Okay, and it seems the implication seems to be that he put he got the leg brace after he sawed through his leg in the first movie. Right. So I guess this movie was like, what if we like went even further? <laughs> so like this movie so wants silly. to ignore the sequels, but also build off of them. Um, it's uh, yeah, wow. But he comes up to the kid laying on the road and tells Sean that boy's dead. This is scary. Yeah. And Sean's like, no, he's not. He was breathing. He was talking to me a second ago. Yeah. And so Wilmer puts his hand on either side of this kid's uh, neck and breaks it. He's dead now. Yeah. And then he then he says, what are you going to do? And he says, first, I'm going to kill you. Ain't no biggie. <laughs> Ain't no biggie. <laughs> so good. Um, he's scary. He's, he's really scary. He's scary. He's scary until he like... Does that like it gets a little too big it's at the too, end where he's just like he's I'm just growling the whole I'm time. I'm the psycho killer. Mer. Well, that's when the movie they clearly ran out of script, right? Um, but yeah, he he chases him down. He tells him Sean gets winded, which Sean, made me laugh a little it's really bit. Really funny. Well, Sean pulls uh, a Charlize Theron and Prometheus <laughs> and just runs straight down the street. That's what I was like, run into the woods yeah. where the Vilmer's, truck cannot drive. Vilmer's driving his, his little tote, his little record truck behind him. And he, <laughs> Sean starts serpentining. Like he is, he's a zigzagging across he is, the road. He zigzags hard. And he says, Vilmer says, you come back to my butt. You come now. back to my butt. Like, what are these lines? And he. Do you think McConaughey? They let him improv. I'm, I'm sure, I'm, there's a lot. They of had to. Here. Yeah, there's no way that there's some of these lines are <laughs> written in, in a script. And he he backs over Sean like four times. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. But both bodies vanish. Like the we never. We never hear about Sean again. We, we see. Never a, hear we about... do see them again when. Do we? Because Vilmer shows Jenny. He makes he makes her look at the bodies oh, hanging right. in the back of the, in, the in truck one, in a very strange cut. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is when they're all walking back to the to the car, mm-hmm. and this truck drives by and doesn't stop. So Barry and Heather just, just decide we're gonna go follow it. that guy. Right. Like I, I wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> This is when we get our uh, garbage bag jump scare, which is really funny. Right. Because she's 
she's kind of like calling out into the woods. She's like, I'm going to go back and see if Sean's okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> and then she hears something in the woods and she, she sounds annoyed. She's like, okay, who's there? Yeah. It's really, it's really funny. But um, meanwhile, Heather is telling Barry, there's probably killers in the trees. We're doomed. I'm not stupid. I just act that way. So people, people like, like me. me. Yeah. Um, she, we get this wild monologue from her where she just tells us about Jenny's personal life for a right. while. Her mom's been married. Her mom gets married every 15 minutes. She has bad relationships. Mm-hmm. She doesn't date anybody, but she has incredible body. I've seen her in right. gym class. Um, and they arrive at this boarded up house. Right. Like, why would you... Which appears to be just off the highway. There's a paved road there. This is not like the no, they isolated walked... farmhouse from the original. No, they walked by a couple of small buildings yeah. before they got to the house. So these, these the Slaughter family, as they're called in this movie, <laughs> just live in a neighborhood. They do. Yeah. And like, yes, the porch light is on, but yes. all the windows are boarded, boarded up. up. Yeah. So why would you... I would not go to this house. Yeah, Barry's like boosting himself up so he can peek in through the boards right um, and we do get the one leatherface bit in this movie that i like which is leatherface just kind of sidling up out of frame he does that did like get me a little bit when he kind of like just appears because she's sitting on she's sitting on this uh porch swing yeah and he starts playing with her tiara, heather's tiara Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's spooky, but it's it also is. very funny. It, and it how feels does like a she bunny, not but, right? Like since this giant dude right behind her, right? Um, we're also introduced to another character I could fully do without. There's no point to him. Joe Stevens as W E. There, there's no point to this character who only speaks in quotes. Yeah. Uh, because I guess Kim Hinkle really liked it when Al Pacino did that in Dick Tracy a few years before, <laughs> but like. Yeah, he he points a gun at Barry, and meanwhile we kind of get like a weak re like a retread of the the infamous grabbing scene from mm-hmm. Tex the original Texas Chainsaw. Leather lifts her up and carries her into the house. Right. Um. But it's 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 undercut by the fact that there's no there's nothing dynamic about the camera movement. There's nothing interesting about the shot. I and Leather won't stop screaming. He won't stop screaming. But I thought that the way, like, the the movement, like, the choreography of the chase I thought was good. Like, the way he grabs her looks painful. And he is flinging the that's, shit out that's of what, her. That's what I, yeah, that's what gets me is when it cuts to the inside of the house. And we just have that shot of him bringing her yeah. down the hallway and throwing her into the walls. Ugh. Which yeah. I'm just like, there's no way this actress didn't get bruised up. No, absolutely scene. not. No, this, um, this, this looks like it hurts. Yeah. And he puts her in a freezer and then puts a pot on top because she keeps she popping keeps out of it. popping out. And screaming again. This is the so one good. bit of leather screaming that I think is really funny because every time she opens up the freezer, he's just like, ah! <laughs> No, the bit of her popping out of the freezer is is, is good. Um, Barry escapes from WE, locks the front door, and then just goes to find a bathroom. Like, right, he's like, I really got to pee. Very casually, is like, hey, Heather, there's a guy with a gun outside. I think I scared him away. I locked the door. And he's missing every red flag. The, this, right. These walls are covered in hides. There's a there's like a person hide hanging from the back of the door, like a towel. Hanging, yes, which is a really... 
I love, I really like the production design in this oh, house. Oh, sure. It yeah. looks like fried garbage on the inside. Like there's just, it, it looks awful. There's trash all over the floor, but like little touches, like there's one wall that's just like old missing posters and eviction notices. Yeah. There's one wall that's covered in keys, keys. from, I guess, from all the people they've like kidnapped. And yeah. So there's like little bits that I think are really good, but yeah. Barry doesn't notice until he's finished peeing and turns around and there's a body dissolved in the tub. Right. Um, and then he gets hit with a sledgehammer. Yeah, he's and dead. He's he's down for the count. <laughs> we do get a really funny bit with Leatherface. Like, oh no, he's got to go in the freezer. So I got to figure out somewhere to put this other girl. And, uh, and this he hooks is her. awful. He hooks Puts her, her on like the in the hook. first movie. Um, and it's effective here too, because we don't see the hook go in, Oof. um, where there's a problem is that this girl has any facilities or faculties after this scene. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like she, I was surprised Heather hangs on as long as she does, she does. after no being put on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after being hung on a hook. Right. Yeah. Um, and finally... Mm-hmm. Uh, like 40 minutes into the movie, 43 minutes into this episode. Right, our lovers meet. Vilmer and Jenny finally meet, and Vilmer offers, gets her a ride, and he's being very circular. He like demands that she gets in for a ride. That's true, yes. Yeah. And he tells a story about, he's like, he's like, you can't take rides from strangers. There was this little girl that lived up the road. This guy gave her a ride. He chopped both her arms off and stuffed her in a box something or something like, like that. that. And then he goes, that guy ain't got shit for imagination. It's a, it's, it's really it's good. A really effect, it's really effective. And this is where my notes start to like comment on her reactions. Like I know she's in shock, but like the number of times she goes like, oh, so God. like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like she's just like, Oh God, Very conversational. that's weird. Like, I don't know. It's very unfazed. It reminds me of there's a Dustin and I were talking about. There's a really bizarre line in Texas Chainsaw Part Two where mm-hmm. like uh, these two characters have been taken by the family and they've got separated. And she stretched the the heroine of the second movie mm-hmm. finds her friend who has had his face removed, oh. and he's just like he's like laying on the ground with no face, and she goes. JB, they got you too. And he's like, oh, yes, yes, obviously. No, he didn't. He took his own face off and then came there. Went, like himself. went to that place. Um, yeah, no, she. Um, I don't know. I I wanted a little bit, a little bit more from her. No, I I totally agree. There, and I think it's a problem with how she's written. Sure. Um, but yes, the the sort of like quiet performance here doesn't really help yeah where i where she really works for me is in the first few scenes mm-hmm. and, and when, then at the and end when she like stands up for herself at the end i yeah. think she's really entertaining but yeah this is the bit you, you referenced this earlier but like he tells her to look in the back seat mm-hmm. and she finally does and she sees sean and the other, guy, other guy strung <laughs> up but it's like a it's like a close-up and I don't really understand where they are. I don't either. In on the truck. I don't either. I mean, I don't because know how. Because we see how. the outside of the truck again later on the back, and I don't see any bodies hung up no. there. No. Yeah, I don't I don't know how really tow trucks work, right. but I don't see how you would have these bodies Well, I mean, Hellboy in Friday the 13th remake gets, like, impaled on that tow truck. That's true. Which is pretty great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> true. Uh, but, um, and so she gets out of the truck. Yeah. 
and he chases her and this is when i realized renee zellweger can fucking haul ass she, she runs like a t-1000 in this she movie. runs so you, you, fast you did you were like you were like she's hauling ass and i was like what do you mean and i looked up from my phone because i was taking a note uh-huh. and she's like i mean she's both really running out, like sprinting to the front of the house yeah, yeah. like if she was up against michael myers She'd be fine. She'd be fine. She'd be in the next town over. She, like, would, she, she would be at Smith's Grove. Like, by like the t- I hope she's on the track team at school because, like, <laughs> holy shit, this girl is fast. But, like, yeah, we <laughs> finally get a chainsaw chase here. Yes. And Leatherface's aim is as terrible as ever. He right. cannot connect. He can't keep up. And this is, the, this is such a strange chase because her first instinct is go upstairs. She finds a petrified cop. I was like, who is this person standing in the corner? We see more. uh, Who's this in the spotlight losing their religion? (laughs) Um, (laughs) We see more petrified people later in the movie, too. Right. And then like one of them like stands up. But like. (laughs) That's a pretty good gag. It is. Um, She makes terrible decisions in this chase because she she runs upstairs to the bathroom and then she gets on the roof. Well, she takes this like. This petrified sheriff's gun. Oh, right. Which doesn't work. So she, she chucks, chucks it, at, it at him. Always a joke that works for me. I love it. It's so um, good. She jumps through a window. That's right. She looks absolutely ridiculous. It's it's pretty wild. It's, it's bonkers. Um, she crawls up the roof, slides down the other side of the roof while Leatherface is like chucking bricks at her because he's chainsawing at the that is i was like oh that's good it's pretty good yeah because it's like where are you gonna fucking go but like where she goes is why would you climb the satellite she climbs this antenna antenna or whatever it's called where are you gonna go nowhere to and then finally she looks over and is like oh there's a power line so she jumps onto a power line and starts shimmying. It's ridiculous. Like, at the end of the world, it's going to be cockroaches and Renee Zellweger. 100%. Yes. Like, what? <laughs> um, so, Leatherface cuts the power line. She falls down through the ceiling of an old greenhouse mm-hmm. and gets up with, like, no scratches. <laughs> right. She's fine. She's good. Um, and we get this, uh, I do like this, long silence mm-hmm. and then Leatherface just brings that thing that sucker down like that right. that greenhouse is obliterated uh-huh. uh, and in one of the funniest shots in the movie she runs back to Darla's place and trips over a bunch of trash there's <laughs> just she, like a stack of boxes outside her, it's like pizza boxes I think oh, but she like okay. she trips over a, a bunch of trash outside of Darla's uh-huh. place Darla is barely listening to her. So she's like, I called my friend. He's going to help us. I wrote down, what's Darla's deal? Like, <laughs> Yeah, because she is like totally. Uh, she's fully manic at this point. Yes. Yeah. W.E. shows up and Darla is super annoyed. She's like, you should have brought a gunny sack or something. <gasps> right. And that's when uh, the trash bag is re-revealed. Mm-hmm, she that's gets what they sacked. Use. So they put her in a sack. Mm-hmm. After, after this whole scene, I, I see what you mean about Renee Zellweger's like hurt acting in this movie because she's getting hit with a cattle prod over and over again and just kind of going like, "Ow, I stop and, it." And, and as we talk about it, I think that also a problem is it, her sort of muted performance next to all of these other wild performances. I mean, Darla at the drive-thru... First of all, the drive-thru pizza place. One of my 
favorite scenes in the movie. She, it's so funny. It's but so wild. It, and, and, you know, all the screen. I mean, that's, say what you will about that first movie, but like by the end of the movie, Marilyn Burns as Sally Hardesty mm-hmm. is holding her own in the wackadoo department. Sure. She's screaming and spitting in their faces with a face yeah. covered in blood. I mean, well, it's a hell of a performance. It is. And although this is funny, I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of terrifying. Oh, it is. It's, it is. This is like the darkly comedic version of the scene where the the cook drives around with Sally in the right. bed of the truck. Yeah, which that scene is like almost impossible to watch because it, it makes me like Ill. I don't like it. Yeah, but but like this scene, she stuffs her in the trunk, and Darla. This is our first <laughs> real idea of Darla being kind of a sweetheart in a uh-huh. weird way because she 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 goes to get pizza. She's like, "You tell Vilmer I'm going to get pizza on the way home." The, the guy at the drive-thru says, uh, what you got back there? Because there's like banging. Yeah. And she goes, that's just something I got tied up back there. It, you want to see? And she goes and opens the trunk and she tells her, look, you got to be screaming. quiet. And Jenny says, okay, but I can't breathe. I can't breathe. <laughs> and she's like, okay, will you stop if I put a little hole in it? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so she like opens a little hole in the bag. And this is when a cop shoots his shot. And like so flirts stupid. with her and then just she just takes off and leaves. And these cops are going through this pizza drive through to get coffee. Pizza drive through And oh, coffee only. One of the strangest shots, moments in the movie. <gasps> you Hear your drinks. And it's a bag. It's a bag of drinks. Do people serve drinks in bags? A drink in a bag. I've never seen such like. I don't like. know. I've never seen such like. I've never seen such like a drink in a bag. <laughs> um, very odd. Um, so Heather, <laughs> or uh, so Darla drives home. Mm-hmm. And stops halfway because this has to be part of the missing scenes, right? Oh, yeah. Heather... Heather's just in the middle of the road. Yeah. Last time we saw her, she was hooked. Yeah. And now she's like crawling through the woods. Darla pulls over and it's just like, how did you get out of here? She says what we're all thinking. Right. Um, and... and then like gently hits her with a stick. She looks around for a stick. For, she picks for a up proper like, stick. She picks up a little twig. She's she's <laughs> like she's like grandma being like go get me a switch. Right. Uh, but she goes she looks up at the twig, she tosses that and she picks up the stick and just kind of lightly like bonk. 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 And Heather's like stop Heather's it. Like, Ow, stop. And she goes well, you quit crawling away or something like that. Yeah, she's it's, like don't move. She's like she's like I'll go with you just stop hitting me. It's so funny. It is really funny. It's so biz- like the tone is all over the place uh-huh. in this movie. Darla gets home and now Leather is wearing his Rue McClanahan wig, right? Uh, and has changed his like persona again. It's an. I I wish this was explored by a smarter movie because I love the idea of the different personalities. I do too. I do too. But I think it. I I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like it sends. Not the message that it needs to. Oh, send. totally. The, it's wrapped up in that whole idea of like, um, is that part of his mental illness? It's it's problematic is, for sure. Is, yeah, well, that's what I mean. Is like I would like a smarter movie to to explore right. something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Because that's there too are these there are these real and well and this movie, this movie makes the unfortunate route of. I think a few times he's referred to as like a sissy, and he's he's emasculate, right. like he's made fun of and. And I think one of the things that I I love about, I actually really love about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 Mm -hmm. is it's one of the few movies where it feels like this is a family unit. They respect each other. They care about each other. Yeah. Leatherface is, you know, 
the idea of Leatherface exploring these different avenues is like mm-hmm. encouraged by the family. And in part two, there's these really interesting moments where he'll put on like an old lady's face and mm-hmm. become a little more matronly. And that's like, that's, that's Leatherface's dinner outfit, you know, sure, like um, yeah. setting the table and stuff like, uh, and there's a little bit of that in the first one too, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's here. Here, it just it's, seems it's, like a it's played for comedic effect let's laugh yes. at this character right and i don't know that that doesn't feel good it feels weird right? yeah it especially feel once we get to a point where leatherface is walking around in negligee and the characters are openly making fun of that like it's very right odd. yeah i mean not i mean it's not really even a focus of the scene but like there are there are these little moments there... where you're just like this is this is meant to be a joke. Right. And no, it's not the focus of the scene, but it is in this movie a focus of that character. Sure. It seems to be. It seems yeah. to be a huge part of that character's identity. Right. And I just don't think that it is handled properly it's at not, all it's not. in this movie. Well, and you can tell because, I mean, one of the big talking points around this movie, on the DVD, there is a quote that says, mm-hmm. Leatherface in this film is like a mix of Hannibal Lecter and Divine. Oh, wow. And, and I'm just like, not really. Not at all. Because we're not giving that char- this character any sense of agency. Agency, or, yeah. Or, 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 yes, there's there's not really anything there. And, again, there's a really interesting thing to, idea to be explored here. If mm-hmm. Leatherface is a void that has to put on these masks to express themselves. Right, or that's the only way that they understand. right they can relate to other people. Right. Yeah. Is, is to like, oh, I put on my sad face. I put on my angry. Right. That's Which is a, a way more interesting. It's fan. It's fascinating. <laughs> but this movie is, this movie is both uh, overstuffed and undercooked at the same time. Well, I just think that's what happens when you try to do things for shock's sake. And I sure. feel like that's what this movie yeah. falls into. I think so. And I, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I hate to say it. I don't think Toby Hooper was, would be the person to have, uh, you know, properly explored that either. Sure. Um, and I, I don't know. It's, I mean, it, you know, it, there's all these essays written about how Silence of the Lambs is a difficult text now as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just, at the end of the day, I think it, you just, it's, it's, it's a little irresponsible or you're like, what are we saying? Right. Yeah. Tell right. me what we're saying here and maybe I can get on board or say mm-hmm. that's not for me, but the ambiguity in this case, I think, hurts the character and the film. And again, yeah. Leatherface is not the character that I typically glom onto in these movies anyway. Sure, yeah. So it, the fact that I'm like so distracted by trying to figure out what you're doing with Leatherface here is... Right. Um, I'm also distracted by um, Vilmer going through a bunch of old remotes to get batteries. Right, I... And later on, there's a bit where he like goes through the different ba- different remotes, <laughs> remotes to find which one works, works for, for his, his leg. Which he needs a remote to control his leg. Yeah. Because we see him just walking around. Right. He only needs a remote sometimes. Or is it that somehow one of their TV remotes is on the same frequency as his leg? Maybe. It, I, I don't know. Great question. These are all good <laughs> questions. And uh, hopefully it'll be answered in the next Texas Chainsaw movie. Never be answered. Um, We also get another one of my favorite uh, McConaughey line deliveries Mm -hmm. when he tears open the bag that Jenny's in, smiles at her and says, 
you don't fucking believe this, do you? Right. Yeah, he's he's constantly like, are we having fun yet? Jamming his fingers into her mouth. Ugh, do you yeah. think all I want to do is kill you is one of the scariest lines in any of these movies? Yeah. Um, but more importantly, this is when they start to drop hints at what's really going on. You think the FBI doesn't have surveillance right. all over this house? Yeah, it's so it's because it comes off as like a. You think they all they're all like have this crazy conspiracy? Yeah. yeah. Darla says like, "Don't let him get to you." Darla starts trying to have girl talk with her. He's like, "Actually, he's not that bad." Yeah. But I do think he's from space. <laughs> Um, I I love when Darla like drops him like she's like he put this thing in my head and if I say something wrong it's just gonna go boom and then yeah and then Renee Zellweger just goes like she's she like, kind of there's I love it because she's like there's nothing in your head it's a good line yeah W E S one good line is when he goes like you just said a mouthful Darla yeah um but yeah Darla Darla essentially starts talking about the Illuminati. Right. She's like, there's, you know what I think in, in this, the way it's delivered is like, she's making it up on the spot. Right. It's, it's a really interesting line delivery, uh-huh. I think. But she's like, I think there's people who've been running things behind the scenes for thousands of years. And that's who he works for. But again, that's, ne- what are we doing? What are we do? What are we doing? Yes. And like, that is never been part of it. Explained. Yeah. Like, even when we get this guy coming in at the end. Yeah. Like. So Darla, Darla basically is just like, I don't believe you. You're all full of shit. You're mm-hmm. all pathetic. So Vilmer puts a knife to her throat and starts counting down from 10. Right. And the way she, he's like, he's like, tell, tell me why I shouldn't kill you. She says, because you don't want to for some reason. Yes. <laughs> she says, you want me alive for some reason. He goes, you're real smart. Smart what girl. the fuck? Okay. Like, what even? This what is, is this is when I started to lose my patience with yes. this movie. This is officially when it started. Well, this was because the, the next scene is Darla and Vilmer having their little scuffle in the kitchen and making out on making the table out and, and dancing, yelling, putting the pizza in the oven, and you're just like, wow, they are just this is where time. they're patting, yeah, killing time. Uh, so Ginny grabs the shotgun and mm-hmm. we get this long sequence of is she gonna pull the trigger yeah uh, darla says if that shotgun was anywhere you could get at it it's where he, he wanted, wanted he it. wanted you to yeah he's yeah. a mastermind <laughs> uh this is also where vilmer starts to cut himself a lot like he starts cutting his own chest so strange like this happens like throughout the rest of the movie yeah. he starts to like cut himself um and but I, I do I do like all of this stuff. Like she's, you know, she tells she tells Leatherface to shut the fuck up and sit down. You know, that's one of my favorite line deliveries in the movie. Uh-huh. And then finally, Vilmer calls her bluff and she fires the one shot that doesn't go. No, into she, his yeah, mouth. she like clicks it like clicks and in doesn't shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And then he takes it and shoots the window. Right. Uh we get another pro protracted chase sequence this is mm-hmm. when uh this is when vilmer just starts screaming and that's the rest of mcconaughey's performance for the movie yeah. unfortunately but it does have that unbelievable moment i'll just pipe in the sound effect here when he jumps <laughs> off the roof it's one of the funniest things i've heard in my entire life you made you made us go back and watch it again it's it was so- it sounds like i don't 
take this as you will. It sounds like a sound you would make. Like, just like... Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me? It does. Like, when you're goofing well, around. It sounds like a noise like you would make. Like if I was make. stretching? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, it does feel like padding because it's kind of a nice chase sequence, but it's also a chase sequence we've had before already in this movie. Right. And then he just takes her back to the house. So what, the, what, who cares? Right. Um, no, I, yeah, I didn't take a lot of notes here and I kind of honestly don't remember a whole lot of what no, happens because it's just a lot of, it's, it's a lot of shouting nothing. around the dinner yeah. table. I mean, we do get this interesting see this is one of the best shot scenes in the movie leatherface mm-hmm. putting on lipstick and lingerie yes. and listening yeah. to this german pop song sung by debbie harry oh like okay. I, I looked it up in the credits and i was just like that's weird what does blondie have to do with what this a weird movie? choice so strange yeah um and darla darla comes in with a this like banging dress on yeah and she tells Vilmer, you better be nice to me because I could always go back to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I need I need Darla's backstory. Right. Yeah. And like they've they've got they've made the pizza. She controls his leg with a remote control. Yeah, they have like a dueling remote control leg fight. And you you this is where you said, You better come eat before it gets cold. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um and yeah, Matthew McConaughey comes in. They've got corpses arranged around the table. And I got to say, this is the most underwhelming version of the dinner table scene that we've gotten in any of these movies. Right. Yeah. Renee Zellweger is basically like, I'm going home. Everyone takes turns <laughs> screaming. Like there's just one shot where like everyone screams and yeah. looks at each other and screams. Um, and the one bit that just like really gets me was when Darla hands her a bag while she hyperventilates. Oh, yes. You just breathe into this. You just breathe into this. So funny. Um, but yeah, she, she does. She, she unties herself, stands up. The old man, like at the end of the, the grandpa at the end of the table gets up up and leaves. leaves, It's just really funny. And then she goes like, I'm going to leave. I'm going home. Tells, I'm going home. Uh, (laughs) And in retaliation, Vilmer sets Heather on fire. On fire. And then smashes her head. Well, after this next scene. Yeah. Because now... Crotch smash. Mr. Rothman shows up. Okay. I don't understand anything about who this guy is <laughs> or what he, what his purpose is so, in this movie. This is when a character played named Rothman in the credits, played by James Gale, shows up. He appears to be maybe with the feds but he has like a german accent yeah and um he explains to vilmer i want these people to know the meaning of horror right horror is that clear he's very like his hair is slicked back yeah. he, he arrives in a limo like he, he's obviously like well off yeah well connected but he says is that clear like three times and i'm like not really no um, not at all and this is where I would like to direct you to this interview. Oh gosh, uh, that Halloween Love did with Kim Hinkle, uh, where he essentially he the this this blogger had written an article about their interpretation of Texas Chainsaw Next Generation, mm-hmm. and Kim Hinkle. I'm actually them. So <laughs> Kim Hinkle says, "You're right." It is implied that the Illuminati or an Illuminati-like organization was lurking in the Chainsaw family background. Um, 
But at the same time, <laughs> an wait, an Illuminati like organ. Yeah. His truck says Illuminati on so it. So the idea is that. <laughs> so the movie implies that this guy is in charge of the family and has asked them to scare people for some reason. Right. And for... You almost expect like a Scooby-Doo style twist where it's like old man Rothman was just trying to scare us away so the value would go up. See, well, I I don't know. I thought it was going to turn into some sort of like um, like voyeur situation. Sure. Oh, yeah. Let me watch while you do this. Like, yes. This is something like, I, like people like pay mm-hmm. to see this or something well, like that. Well, then Rothman inexplicably like he he seems to take pity on jenny for a second then he opens his shirt and he's got like a maze like scarification on his body right three nipples with rings through them and then he licks her face multiple times and then leaves it's a lot it's so much it's and i so strange i literally just wrote down what the fuck like and it makes no sense he says Kim Henkel says, but at the same time, each of the implications should be suspect. And he talks about the fact that, like, obviously, like, it doesn't make any sense that the Illuminati would hire them. And then he says, well, he comes off more like the leader of some harem scarum cult that makes a practice of bringing victims to experience horror. Uh, dot, dot, dot. He says, but could be Rothman is Illuminati, an astonishingly wealthy and powerful man given to some peculiar personal practices. And at at the end of it, I'm just like, why don't you know? I was just thinking that. I'm like, this sounds like somebody did not think it all the way through. He's like, like, also, this guy could be just like a well-off man who enjoys this stuff. Or he's a sixth grade math teacher who... Absolutely not. weekends as an Illuminati man in his best suit. Absolutely not. And I'm just like, why... I'm just like, why are you acting like it's a mystery? You wrote the fucking movie. You need to know. It's your film. Yeah. No, because... Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Hinkle. Uh, Mr. Hinkle, you need to know because I need to know because this movie never explains it. After he licks her face, he leaves. He leaves. He says... He says at the end, he goes, I was much more interested in the Illuminati as a form of authority and in what the addition of a Rothman slash Illuminati-like character said about the world of the Chainsaw family than I was in creating a narrative about a Chainsaw family slash Illuminati connection. So although you're right, the Illuminati implications are definitely there. All that other stuff is in there, too. So he's just like, huh? Like, that's essentially... I can't. He, he wrote, I cannot. He spent 200 words just being like... I don't know. That ending's weird, right? I don't know. That's weird. I don't know why that's in there. I can't. I can't with that. That's insane. The accepted explanation among most uh, horror critics and Uh analysts of this film is that for some reason the Illuminati have hired the Slaughter slaughter family. family to keep people scared for question mark purposes. in the middle of nowhere texas because rothman, and like how many, how many people, people rothman also i mean at one point he's like it's meant to you know help you transcend have a transcendent experience oh fuck off so, i'm sorry so, so no there's a really there's kind of an interesting uh, analysis from uh bloody disgusting that says like this movie is like a critique of 90s horror which is why all the characters act like morons and okay. also maybe the them that he keeps referring to is the horror movie going audience but i think that's giving this movie way the fuck i too think much it credit. is too i don't think this movie is that smart um yeah truly bizarre 
Darla gets up and leaves. Right. <laughs> or sorry, Jenny Jenny uh Jenny grabs the remote and uh-huh. they have their little remote off where his leg won't work correctly. Mm-hmm. And she gets away and now it's immediately daylight. <laughs> where we see this elderly couple, the Spottishes in their RV. Having Bloody Marys while the, driving. On the, while on the road. And I kept thinking, these I didn't look it up, but these folks have got to be someone's parents, right? Have to be. The yeah. line delivery is just like, there's a monster out there with a chainsaw. Yeah, Mr. Spottish. Um, and in one of the most baffling defeats of a villain I've ever seen. Right? Do you want to take this one? Vilmer's killed by a plane. Yeah, a, a crop duster just flies down and in a poorly edited shot, hits him in the head with a wing. Right. And kills him. And like... If and I remember, flies away. If I remember correctly, no one of consequence is flying this crop plane. We never see the pilot. No. So, so it's not It's not like it's Jenny. Did the Illuminati or send a, pilot, is... a crop duster to tie up their loose ends? <laughs> I feel like we sound bonkers. We sound insane. But like, because it this is, movie is insane. It is the most baffling ending, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, because then Jenny gets picked up. Mm-hmm. By, by Rothman. By Rothman. And he's like, I am so sorry. This is appalling. This was disgusting. And he de- he says a line that I think sums up, because at the beginning of this, I said, this is the franchise that shouldn't be a franchise. Mm-hmm. Why are there so many sequels? Why do we keep paying to see them? <laughs> and he says, perhaps it's disappointment that keeps us going. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't that just sum uh-huh. up this fucking movie? Oh, my goodness. Um, we end with um, a weird parade of guest stars uh, as Jenny talks to a police officer played by John Dugan, who played Grandpa in the first movie, Mm -hmm. uh, in interrogating her about the people who attacked her. And suddenly, wheeled by her on a gurney, uh, is Marilyn Burns, who played Sally Hardesty in the first film. So strange. Making direct eye contact with her. There's no other connection. Yeah. And the weird thing is, no one can agree if she's playing Sally in this. That was my question. It, because, like... The credits list her as anonymous, playing woman on gurney. Right. And then, like, um, and the guy, no hate to her, uh, but, like, this is obviously s- several decades after she's... 30 years later. 20 played, years later. Yeah. Right. So, like, she doesn't look like the same character. So, only fans are only like super fans are going to be like oh right and like i don't know are we are we led to think like this is the same did she stay day? oh i don't think so i think is we're meant she to think that re hurt i think that, she... i think we're meant to think like oh even if you escape from this family it stays with you or something sure I don't know. it's just a coincidence they're in the hospital at the also same worth time. noting if these are just meant to be the if that's meant to be the same character it's weird that the orderly pushing her down the the hallway is paul uh-huh. partain who played her brother Franklin in the first movie? The oh, kid gosh. in the wheelchair who gets yeah. killed. So, like, what are we even doing? What is this? This is silly. I've seen a few reviews point out that his silhouette also looks like he has the same, or he it looks like he has the same robot leg as McConaughey. <laughs> so, like, what? 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 What is this? This is a lot. This, this is, is the next generation. This is so much. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw hey, Massacre. A Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> What a the next generation. The next generation. The return of. Yeah. Uh what a film. Yeah. Ashley. Uh-huh. Question of the hour. <laughs> Would you recommend people watch this? I don't uh, yeah, yeah. 
because do you think people should watch the first one to enjoy this or no, does it matter? Okay. I don't think it matters. Okay. I think you can watch this not having so any any knowledge of anything. I think you need to watch it. I mean, surely because Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey are in it it's and such like a curiosity, why would right? you not want to see it? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Is yeah. I'm just like there's nothing there's no other film in the franchise quite like this. It's it's not good. No. But boy howdy, I think that first half is so entertaining. Uh-huh. Uh, it's so strange, so nineties, and like you said, it is worth seeing these actors yeah. in this kind of movie, right? Because particularly for McConaughey's performance, I think he's fantastic. In this I mean, movie. he had just done Dazed and Confused right the before this, year. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he literally. So I was reading that he had auditioned for this movie on a whim because mm-hmm. he had just graduated college, was planning to head to uh, move to California, and he. He was auditioning for a character that was cut out of the movie. The original oh. ending of the film was... So there's a guy who drives by her on a motorcycle early in the movie. Mm-hmm. Originally, he was going to like loop back and pick her up at the end. Oh, interesting. And, and, and it was meant to be like a kind of two-line heroic role or whatever. <laughs> okay. And so he goes in and auditions. And they're like, you know, we're really looking for someone to play the villain of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes like, oh, man, well, I got these two buddies. And he like recommended a couple of actors... And then left, and he said, "I got a, he got in his car. It was just like, wait, what? What did I just yeah. do?" And he went back, and he's like, "Can I read for that?" That's funny. And they told him in the room, "Act like your legs malfunctioning." Act like your legs. Apparently, his audition for Vilmer consisted of that, and then they handed him a spoon and said, "Threaten my secretary" or something like that. Wow. Yeah. The God. movies. Um, yeah, I would say it's worth at least one watch. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'll revisit it soon. I, I don't think so. a couple so. of clips, maybe there's some really fun stuff in here, but mm-hmm. that, yeah, that second half is a, is a slog and just nonsensical. Yeah. Um, something that did make sense to me though, were the outfits. In this movie. Sure. There's yeah. Some good stuff. There is. Here. Yeah. And, Oh, those are killer threads. We're going to pick our favorite outfit of the movie or something we'd wear ourselves. Ashley, what you got? I had to go with the dress that uh, they put Ginny in for dinner with the silver. Yeah, that was mine top. too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the good. Cu- it's what it's it looks like what Gaga is wearing on the Fame cover. Yes, yeah, like, it's great. She's got those like silver feathers on the uh-huh. side. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's good. We've already talked about how this title's not great. <laughs> uh, and oh, that's a better title. We're gonna pick something this movie should have been called. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with. A Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Question mark. That's good. I I I didn't come up with a title oh. because I didn't. I think, I mean, I I don't think it's, it's a, a great title, but I I think it does capture the era, and That's I guess funny. it is sort of like, I mean, it is the next generation. I guess You're right. I don't know. You're right. I don't know. May I offer another alternate title? Please do. Pleatherface. Pleatherface. That's good. Um. And finally, and oh, that's a relaxing movie. Mm-hmm. We're going to pick something to watch after you've finished being thrilled and chilled by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Uh-huh. Uh, what would you recommend folks watch after seeing this movie? Um, I I had to go with Dazed and Confused. Yeah, it's a great choice. It's so good. I love that movie so yeah. much. McConaughey is brilliant. Everyone in that movie is brilliant. He's so it's good. so good. It's a, it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, What'd you get? 
I would recommend... So today, as we're recording this, the news dropped that Jinx Monsoon will be starring on Broadway soon. Uh And it got me thinking about our leading lady in this movie. Yeah. You should watch Chicago, which I referenced at the end of last episode. I just realized. And I just saw the touring uh, production of it that came through town. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I rewatched that about a year or so ago Mm -hmm. and just I could not believe how good it was yeah Movie musicals are a hard sell for me sure uh no i've always loved it's it it's fantastic yeah richard Gere is unbelievable mm-hmm. uh and uh, john c Riley, christine uh, moransky i yes. mean it's, an, it's such a great cast yeah so next time we're rolling into it's the holiday season <laughs> hoop de do and dickory doc we're gonna talk about some of our favorite <laughs> christmas songs next next time for sure yes um because next time we're doing another musical yeah we are we are can you I'm believe excited. it i'm kind of excited um, this one is a uh, a request we've gotten a few times from mm-hmm. listeners but we've had to wait until the proper time of year yeah. tis the uh, season tis the season um, we're watching Anna and the Apocalypse. I'm very excited. This will be a first watch for both of us. Yay, it's a yeah. zombie musical and not zombies like the Disney I Channel. Know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, all, all we know is what we've seen in the trailer. It looks yep. like a blast. Can't it does. Wait. So yeah, go watch Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, which is currently streaming on Shutter and I think Amazon Prime. Mm. Um, and join us then. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at Oh That's a Scary Movie. You can find us on Twitter at Otasm Podcast, O T A S M Podcast. You can also email us recommendations yeah. at Oh That's a Scary Movie at gmail.com. Uh, we've got, uh, like I said, we've got the holidays kind of planned out where we're going to jump into some more listener requests mm-hmm. uh, early next year. Um, Ashley. What you got? Uh, just Southern Haunts is, is back. back Yay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Southern Haunts is back. So if you want to hear about spooky stuff, tune into <laughs> that every Tuesday, yeah, wherever yeah. you get your podcasts. What do you got going on? I've got the Silver Linings playlist. Uh, the new episode that drops today as this uh-huh. episode drops um, I'm actually not on, but listeners of this show might really <laughs> dig it because Dustin and Mally are talking about 2020's The Invisible Man, mm-hmm. which I quite liked a lot yeah. uh, with Elizabeth Moss. Um, really interesting, really creepy uh, suspense movie. Nice. And on the AIPT Comics podcast, we just had John Harris Dunning on the show, mm-hmm. a, an English writer uh, who has written this new sci-fi noir uh, graphic novel called Wiper, which I was just kind of blew me away. Uh, we get into a lot of a lot of different sci-fi and uh, mystery stuff. We also talk about David Lynch movies, so movie fans might dig that uh, uh, episode. Also, next weekend, uh, next uh, on December fourth, we have our two hundredth episode of Woo-hoo! the AIPT Comics podcast. Nice. Uh, we're sitting down with Cody Ziegler, Zeb Wells, and Dan Slott, some major Spider-Man writers, mm-hmm. and. The following weekend, I'm going to keep hyping this one up because <laughs> yeah. I am unbelievably excited about it's it. It's really cool. December 11th, uh, the December 11th episode of AIPT Comics Podcast, I got to talk to one of my <laughs> songwriting heroes. Yeah. Uh, we had Claudio Sanchez from Coheed and Cambria sit down with us for an interview to talk about his new comic book series, My Brother's Blood Machine, mm-hmm. which is uh, actually heavily inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We, we get into that in the interview. He nice. said that specifically is like one of the big influences on this comic book. Wow. So uh, yeah, keep an eye out cool for that. Stuff. 
Uh, until next time, <laughs> be good. Yeah. <laughs>